Hey, Neil, when you hear a word that has phobia in it, you know what that means, right? Yeah, that's like a, a fear of something like arachnophobia, you know, having a really intense fear of spiders. Exactly, which by the way, I have a little bit of, but anyways, what do you think is the opposite of phobia? Um, I guess I'd have to think about that one. I, it's like really liking something, right? Exactly, yes. It's the combining term philia, so the opposite of phobia. And philia means having a real fondness or super liking or even loving something. And we recently learned a philia term that we've always kind of referenced the idea of here in the show, but we've never really known the name for. And that is the term biophilia. Yep. And that's what we're going to talk about on the podcast today. Biophilia. It's the idea that humans have and, well, need a connection to nature. And we're learning about this concept with our guest today, Dr. Brent Bauer. Yes, we are. And Dr. Bauer is a lot smarter than you and I, Neil. No offense. <laughs> so we'll let him go further into this concept of biophilia. But we were so honored to have him with us on the show. Oh, for sure. Um, Dr. Bauer is a general internal medicine physician at Mayo Clinic. And if you know anything about Mayo Clinic, you know that um, only doctors that are at the top of their field work there. I mean, this guy is, he's super legit and he's a busy guy, um, but he's so generous for taking the time to come on and speak with us about how our connection with nature can impact us both physically and mentally. Yes, listeners, we think you're really going to enjoy hearing from Dr. Bauer and do yourself a favor. If you can, take your phone or your laptop or whatever you're listening to this podcast on and go sit on your patio or even your front stoop or just near an open window while you listen to the episode. Oh, great idea, Elizabeth. Um, I'm going outside. Maybe the listeners will too. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm wondering if you can start with a very general overview of how spending time in nature is good for us from a mental and physical health standpoint. Yeah, well, we could probably spend a couple hours going down the different rabbit holes that would take us. But, you know, at the, the very top of all this is this concept of biophilia. And really what that means is increasingly science shows us we are wired to be connected to nature. And, you know, so you think about it, if you're in a room with no windows, you're in a room with windows and you can see trees and bushes and animals, or you're listening to a bubbling brook or the aquarium in your office, you feel differently. And so I think intuitively, we know that nature is good for us. We generally feel better outdoors. We like to be by bodies of water, running streams, seeing animals in nature. Uh, so intuitively, it's there. What has changed in probably the last 15 or 20 years Tons of research, all pointing in the direction that actually there's a, a measurable benefit for human beings to spend more time in nature. I love that. It's almost as if medicine has caught up to something that we as humans <laughs> just knew. That's yeah. so fun. And I would like to say, Dr. Bauer, you make me feel a little better because my mom, here's a little st story for you. My mother was recently moving 
And so we had to do the thing where you go through the boxes of childhood stuff that was stored up. So I stumbled across some second grade report cards and they said over and over again, Elizabeth is distracted. She keeps staring out of the window and daydreaming during class. I feel like maybe this was just all for my health. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and we have good studies. There are studies with children who actually have learning challenges, children with autism. If you bring them to an environment in the city, an environment sort of in the suburbs and an environment where they're truly out in a park setting, uh, in the park setting, they generally have better memory. They better, better short-term memory, better, uh, cognitive abilities. Uh, children who live by areas where there's a lot of green space versus children who don't. The kids who don't generally, it's not a hard and fast rule, but generally don't do as well academically, may have other health problems and so forth. So time and time again, this keeps coming back and, and maybe asking a young child to sit in a classroom for, you know, six or seven hours and not go outside. Sacrificing recess may not have been a very strategic move on our parts. That's a good point. It is. So I have a question. Like a lot of our listeners are relatively new to the outdoors and they're kind of figuring out, um, you know, if they like it and figuring out the different types of outdoor recreation. Are there any specific types of outdoor recreation you would recommend for somebody that's looking for the mental and physical benefits of being outside? Yeah. Fortunately, it doesn't seem like X is better than Y is better than Z. It seems like nature is nature. So for some people, what if you can't get outside? Well, we know bringing nature indoors has almost the same benefits. Uh, You know, having that fish tank, uh, the aquarium, the bubbling water in the background, uh, pictures of nature in front of me in my office, uh, building my office space with more natural elements like wood and stone. So there's no question. This doesn't have to be get on your shoes and go hike. On the other hand, there's lots of studies on what the Japanese call forest bathing. And that just means getting into the forest and you're immersing yourself in the experience, listening, smelling, seeing. So forest bathing does not mean taking a bathtub into the woods. It means bathing in the essence of the forest. And there are, again, medical studies showing that people who get into that uh, deep state of relaxation in nature have lower blood pressure, better heart rate variability, which is a measure of overall stress and our ability to deal with it effectively. And so time and time again, it doesn't seem to matter what that nature experience is. It could be the park. It could be a hike. It could be as simple as in your backyard. Uh, maybe you have a bird feeder. Maybe you have uh, pets. So how we experience nature is pretty wide open. It, it just seems like we need more of it than most of us get. That's refreshing to hear because it makes it easier for for us to get the word out to people. And it's we just need to make it seem as easy as possible for people to get out there because I know, and you know, I've been at this job like six years, and I just I want to share my love of nature and the outdoors, and that's a huge driving force behind why I'm still here. And uh, so that that is refreshing to hear. I, I was genuinely curious about that. So thanks for that that answer. Yeah, well, and that and, makes and it accessible know. for people too, which is wonderful. Yes. Anyone, any kind of ability, just can get those same benefits from being out there. We have, I don't know, 15, 20 parks within the, uh, you know, close proximity to Rochester. And probably a third of those have uh, wheelchair accessible paths where, you know, again, if you're limited mobility, could you still get pretty darn close to the pond? Well, in fact, yes, there's a 
little bridge that goes right over the pond in one of our parks. So again, you don't have to experience it as a rock climber, uh, you know, a, a 14 day hike camping experience. I mean, those may be wonderful for some people, but it shouldn't be intimidating. It shouldn't be uh, anything uh, negative. It should be like, how can we do it? And there's probably a thousand ways to figure that out. And probably everybody can, even those who I can't leave this room, I can't leave this house. Uh, we can still bring nature indoors. And, and I don't know if you can see, but there's some of my plants uh, hanging out there. Uh, and then when I don't have the plants uh, there, I usually keep a little uh, video going of a mountain stream or something from the Internet. You know, these ones that play six or seven hours of the babbling books and so forth. So it, it everybody finds their own way. The nice thing is we can all find something. You should try an aquarium. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love that. Um, we talked a second ago about health benefits for for children and maybe childhood development. How about on the other end of that spectrum? Are there health or mental health or physical health benefits for people who are aging when it comes to getting outdoors? Yeah, th I think I think this is a big challenge for aging in our culture right now. Right, we have a lot of older people. We don't have a lot of people as caregivers for those older people. So I think what would have happened 50 years ago, grandma or grandpa probably had an extended family and they did take them out to gatherings and uh, different things where they did get to experience nature, might just been sitting in the backyard. Now we have so many older folks and so few people who actually are you know, giving full-time care to them, uh, that sometimes isn't so easy to do. But we know that many people uh, who are depressed, who maybe are cognitively impaired a bit, if we get them into familiar environments, like when they were in the park, things are triggered, memories come back and so forth. People generally feel better. So wouldn't it be wonderful if we could find a way to make that experience more and more available to folks? And it may not be taking everybody to a park. It may be doing things within the environment of that uh, assisted living facility or nursing home to bring more nature indoors to them. There, there's a lot of studies on what happens when you bring dogs or even a little cat uh, into uh, uh, nursing homes and what happens to the, the uh, uh, residents' experience and their mood, their cognitive, their interactions uh, generally improve significantly. So again, keep thinking of ways. Nature is all around us. We've unfortunately sort of built away from nature. Now we're starting to see the, the value of bringing nature back in. Man, so what? what's the first step for somebody? I mean, is it as easy as just, um, you know, say they... I don't know how I want to frame this because it actually is different from the question I had written down because you of all the stuff we talked about going like <laughs> inside the house. I was going to talk about going outside more often, but and so I think we've actually covered everything that I had. Yeah, and you just talking. Yeah, what you were just saying sort of led me to um, want to ask you as well about this prescription, this idea of prescription for nature, okay. and time. So now now that we know that this is so important for all different stages of life, um, we've learned from you that that prescriptions for nature are now actually being written by healthcare providers. Right, right. Yeah. If 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 you're feeling technologically adventurous, I'll try and share my screen and show you one of the ones that I use. But you're absolutely right. This is now a real thing. We can write prescriptions uh, I, as a physician and I do uh, write to uh, for my patients who in addition to everything else I'm talking about with their wellness, right? This isn't be in nature and you can eat junk food. No, it's exercise every day. It's have uh, uh, 
good nutrition, have a mind-body practice, do yoga, tai chi, meditation, be in your community, have spiritual. All those things are incredibly important, but no less important is how, where is your time in nature coming? How do you do that? And so writing a prescription uh, where I can basically say, okay, where are you from? I'm from, you know, Timbuktu, Iowa. Great. We can go actually to the website and find out the parks that are in that area. Say, well, here's one close to your house. Why don't you try and get there, you know, twice a week for 30 minutes and just hike or, you know, whatever it is that they're engaged in. And they can actually get a printout. And if you want to, we can actually build that into the electronic medical record. So there's actually a record of that. Wow. And if they want to, they can actually report back when they've checked it off their list. We can actually see, yep, uh, Mary Jane did her did her prescription completed and so forth. So it kind of makes another level of realness, I guess, is, you know, it's like everybody says eat better, exercise more. But when we can actually give you a prescription, I'd like you to be in the, you know, nature. I think two hours a week is a good goal. Here's one strategy to help you do that. Uh, it just kind of gives you one more memory from the visit. I really should do that. You know, I'm thinking about it now. And, and not everybody, of course, follows it. And nobody's perfect with anything. But it's another tool in our tool chest to try and build that overall wellness pattern. Hey, Neil, how early do you start your holiday shopping? Well, I try not to cram it too close to Christmas because the kids have a lot of school programs and parties and all that. But uh, so December gets pretty busy. Yeah, it does. I mean, I tend to be a bit of a procrastinator when it comes to holiday gift shopping, but I'm really proud of myself. I'm participating in a gift exchange with some friends, and I actually bought my gift last week, which I think is record time for me. And I have to say, it felt really, really good to get that done. So I think I'm going to keep going and looking for the rest of the gifts on my shopping list now. And Elizabeth, you know it doesn't have to be hard. Um, I actually buy a lot of gifts, a lot of cool gifts, right, from our park gift stores. My gosh, you are right. In fact, last year, I bought my mom and my mother-in-law these beautiful ornaments from the park store. Um, and I also bought my nieces and nephews these adorable books. One of them was my favorite. It was called Who Pooped in the Sonoran Desert. Have you oh, heard of that one? That one? Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> it's so good. It teaches kids about scat and tracks and wildlife that live in Arizona, which is really fun for them. Oh, yeah, totally. And oh, my girls love the year I got them those magic color changing park shirts. Uh, the ones that like start off white and then you walk into the sun, the color design just totally comes to life. Oh, yeah, those are so cool. I, I want them in an adult size. <laughs> but <laughs> I also love that apart from all of the gifts and apparel and guidebooks and all of the great stuff that you can buy in our park stores, you can also give people gift cards from Arizona State Parks. Oh, absolutely. And well, because people can use those gift cards on park store purchases or go towards camping reservations or any state park entry fee. Yeah, it's a great option for gift buying procrastinators like me because it's really personal, but also it can be done right online. So that is very convenient if you're a last minute shopper. And the same is true with buying a gift card to Arizona State Parks annual pass too. You can actually buy a pass for somebody and gift it to them. And what's awesome about it is you're literally giving the gift of time in the outdoors and interacting with nature or Arizona's incredible history. 
And between the park store finds, the gift cards, and the state park's annual pass, you can pretty much check off all the outdoor lovers on your list. That's true. So, Neil, where can listeners go to find out more? Well, Elizabeth, they can head to azstateparks.com slash gifts, and they can get shopping. Knock out that holiday gift list. Thanks, Neil. You're like really smart. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I, I tried really hard. Happy shopping, everyone. I'm going to see if I if I get really adventurous here. I'm going to try and share my screen. That'd be great. Can you see a, a picture? Yes. PRK Nature Prescribed. So this is Park RX America. It's a little different than Park RX. So Park RX America. This is one of the first ones. I can't make any you know comments whether it's better, but this is the one I use. And and so you see, you can come in as a patient. There's information for patients. Patient, uh, just general information. I'm going to log in as a provider. And I don't need to do this part, but here's how I write a prescription. So here it says looking for a park. So if my patient happened to be from Rochester, it's going to show me all the parks that have been loaded up in the system. And so, for example, if I think they do better getting into a place with a lot of water or a pond, I might choose Quarry Hill Nature Center. Nice park, a nice pond, and it's wheelchair accessible. So I could add that park. I could come back and we can be fairly uh, verbose or we could just say, I think you ought to go there and hike. Uh, the frequency, let's say I'd like to get out there two times per week. And then the duration, I'm going to say one hour. And the reason I would choose that is there's actually some interesting studies that have shown that about two hours seems to be the sweet spot. Obviously, any time in nature is great, but about two hours seems where you start to kind of get the peak benefits in terms of reducing blood pressure, improving heart rate variability, helping stress, all those things. So with this as a prescription, I could now submit it. It would give me a a chance uh, to send reminders to the patient, get information back. I'm gonna say no, so we don't make a fake one here. Uh, If I click here, I could actually now cut and paste this into the electronic health record. And then if I continue, I could actually print out the prescription and hand it to the patient. That's amazing. it's, it's really fun. It, it, it's something yeah. different. They don't all, you know, it, it's different than just having somebody say, you should get out in nature more often. You should eat better. Uh, you should exercise more. So I think it's fun, uh, but it's also useful because I've learned we actually had to help get some of the parks loaded up for Rochester because we have many that weren't in there. So it's a good opportunity for physicians, nurses, other community wellness providers, or, you know, these the wellness programs. Uh check on your community. Are all the parks in your area loaded? And then how do you get um, awareness? And I think doctors are always going to be tough, right? We're way too busy. Uh, We have way too much time on the computer trying to take care of the government and Mm -hmm. all the regulations. So they're probably not going to be a lot of physician champions in most practices, not for lack of interest or understanding the value, time constraints. But there's other providers within the practice. It could be delegated to one of our nurses. It could be just a uh, somebody who's not even a physician. It could be a, a, a care provider of some other type, uh, administrator. So there's lots of ways to do it in an office, uh, but it does take a little extra time. So it, like everything else, it's a little challenging. That's amazing. And you yeah. had mentioned the two hours is sort of a sweet spot. Is that two hours over the course of time? Is that in one session? And how many sessions would a person, you know, two hour sessions outdoors, would a person take to get a full 
health and physical benefits of yeah. this prescription. So, so the, the, the smarter people than I actually did a, a very good review of a lot of different studies in this area. And they kind of identified in a week, if you get a, a accumulation of about two hours. So how you might want 30 minutes every day because you have a big backyard. You're going to go out there and, you know, in your garden, plant flowers, listen to the birds. I may live in a city where my only shot at nature is going to be my one shot per week. Like, you know, so it might be two hours all at once for me. I'll just take a big, you know, half day hike. You may have a very. So I think the nice thing is there's no prescription other than a good goal. I think we should aim for the two hours. We shouldn't feel bad if we get less and we should celebrate if we get more. But we sort of know like, well, I should try and exercise most days of the week. I should try and eat fewer carbs. I should try and get about two hours in nature and not to make it one more thing on my list of things to do to feel guilty about. But we also have to have a go. We have to have something to shoot for. Because hopefully it becomes a lifestyle. You know, they yeah. they just kind of adopt it and then you know, then, then they get to take the benefits of that for the rest of their life. You know, it's just getting the people initially going, you know, that's, that's the challenge because, you know, nature does the rest a lot of times, you know, COVID helped. I mean, you know, you hate to say anything good came out of COVID, but people were stuck. And after looking at, you know, your spouse, you know, four or five weeks in a row, you know, we had to do, so people got out. People said, you know, oh, there are, oh, there is such a thing as a park. There is such a thing as a hiking trail. There is such a thing as a bike down along the lake or the, and all of a sudden people rediscovered what we used to be part of our culture. You know, it used to be very typical to have those outdoor activities as kids. You know, certainly in my generation, you know, you left the house in the morning and you came home at night when mom flicked on the, uh, the porch light. And then the other time, the rest of that time you were down in the park, you're in the, you know, the stream, you're, you're out all day long. So it wasn't even something you would have thought of as necessary or unique or different. It's just what you did. And yet in less than a generation or two, we now have whole generations of kids being raised, especially in large cities, where they really might not have any direct contact with nature of a substance nature uh, without planning or trying uh, to the point now, I think that's part of our healthcare problem, right? We have to have, uh, every kid should have that access to some type of nature experience. Yeah, you're so right. There are two um, specific areas of outdoor recreation that I wanted to ask about because I've read different things about the health and mental and physical health benefits. Mm -hmm. The first is, um, are there any health benefits you can think of when it comes specifically to camping, whether that's spending time out in in the dark at night or anything about your internal body clock? Just what benefits might someone see from camping? Yeah, I think you hit a couple of them, right? When we camp, hopefully we're not taking our phones 24-7, although you see that sometimes, <laughs> but you do tend to get more uh, in rhythm, right? We we tend to get up on, when you're camping, you generally can't sleep, or at least I can't sleep late because when the sun's up, the sun's up. It doesn't matter if you, so, and when the sun goes down and you don't have, hopefully, a television or a, uh, some other way of being entertained, you start to get tired, right? You, you don't stay up until three o'clock because there's not a, a, t- a television show you're going to watch or, or so forth. So I think there's a lot of things that happen when you go camping, especially for extended periods, especially for overnight. Uh, we, we tend to get away from a lot of the things that kind of fill our brains, right? When, when you're at home, you can just look over there. Oh, there's that pile of bills I haven't done. Look over there. There's this thing there. And you, and you really kind of, it's a burden. And and to be away from that, most of the time, uh, God willing, when we're out in nature, we're not worrying about our checkbook balance. We're not doing the things that can occupy our brains. 
when everything's right in front of us at home. So there's a lot of things. I think, you know, sometimes just the, the, the change in the air quality. Uh, you know, some places, uh, obviously, we, we some of the big cities really have horrible air pollution, mm-hmm. uh, dangerous chemicals in some of these cities that I, I've had patients who I've actually recommend to move from places where the heavy metals in the air and so forth are so high. And for them to t- spend a week uh, somewhere, uh, maybe by the beach, maybe in a mountain, they come back and guess what? My, my respiratory problems are better. My allergies are better. And it doesn't take long to see the benefit of you know, maybe we shouldn't be living in a crowded, uh, polluted area without access to nature. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, even the the smells out there, like the breaking down leaves in the in a little creek up north. You know, just that the smell of decaying leaves is it's fresh and invigorating. And you know, the pine trees. Obviously, we talked about that earlier. But yeah, Phoenix sometimes it doesn't smell that great. Yeah. <laughs> most most times it doesn't smell yeah. that great. <laughs> I feel so. like I can always breathe easier when I go to the campsite and whether that's better air quality or my anxiety melting away, either one. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like ways. Skunk smells and javelina, you know, they all <laughs> it's just different and new and wild and exciting. So yeah. yeah, I totally agree. It's all the senses. My other specific question about outdoors and your health. Um, I have I've read that spending time near water can be particularly beneficial when it comes to reducing stress. Is that true? And and why do we believe that is? Yeah. Uh, if I had the answer, I I don't I'd probably be smarter than I am, but <laughs> I don't have the answer for that. But it's it's been demonstrated. Uh, even just having, uh, for example, a very pretty picture of a meadow that has a stream going through it, not a video, but just a, a picture like that. Uh, has been shown, for example, to help relax patients who are going to go through endoscopy. You know, they're going to put a tube into your throat. You can watch that or you can watch an abstract art. These people who see that stream picture do better than those who watch the abstract art. So there's something about water. And and I think you mentioned earlier about the aquarium having the bubbler in the background. You know, there's something about uh, water sounds. You know, when you're by that brook, you know, often I keep that on the uh, the YouTube channel here, just let the bubbling brook go in the background. And and you kind of lose track of it for a while, but it's always in the background and it brings a different level of calmness. Uh, So there's something special, but I can't tell you why. Uh, Probably because water is so essential to everything. You know, we, we, we can only go, what, two or three days without water. So maybe that's part of why our brains are wired to it. We want to be near water. We want to know that water is available. That's, that's true. Really, we are pretty hardwired for water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just imagine like being on a boat and like gentle waves, you know, it's so soothing. Just I've fallen asleep before, you know, yeah. accidentally. Like <laughs> you just get so uh, you know, not on the ocean, the crazy waves, just on right. these lakes that it's just right. a nice soothing rhythm and yeah. Um, yeah, water is is life. Yeah. I, I find that when I fish, given my lack of skill. Since I'm not catching anything and the boat's rocking, that's if nothing else, I'll get a good nap. Yeah, or yeah. watch birds. That's what I do when I'm not catching fish. I'm like, oh, what we got over here today. Yeah. I'm not a good angler. I'm very inexperienced, but I will tell you, I never regret a day on the water just because right. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, one last thing, Dr. Bauer. I like that you have mentioned several times the benefits of having even just pieces of nature or reminders of natural natural materials around us, even when we're indoors, because 
Um, both of us live in some climates with pretty extreme weather during different times of year. Being here in the low desert of Arizona, not many people can spend time outside during the summer and with you, those extreme winters in Minnesota. So um, any any advice that you would leave our listeners with about bringing some of these natural elements indoors? Yeah, there, there's so many ways to do it. I mean, one way is just to build with natural elements. So if you look at the same room and about a third of it has wood paneling or wood elements, you get a level of restfulness. If you have about two thirds, it actually has a deeper level of of restfulness and so forth. So we can actually look at things like how much stone, how much wood, uh, is there a waterfall feature in this room? So just building the environment to bring in more nature. But it also can be simple as images. You don't have to see out your window and see the Grand Canyon. But you can actually look at a, a still image of the Grand Canyon and get a lot of the same benefits. But we're, we're now in the technology era, so now you don't have to look at a still image. You can have a virtual window into the Grand Canyon or into the local park. So we have a, a camera here in one of our buildings at Mayo Clinic in Rochester where we can see the uh, falcons where they're born. When the babies are born, they have a little camera so you watch them grow and fledge and all the cool things that falcons do. So a lot of patients will tune into that just as they're waiting in the lobbies and so forth. So how we build it and then what we bring in in visual elements, whether it's pictures, videos, or plants. And then I think the other thing is, you know, pets. Pets play a big role as one of our greatest contacts in nature for many people, uh, whether that's your dog, your cat, your fish. Uh, a lot of those nat- nature uh, friends, if you will, can be a huge impact on people, especially if you're wired to uh, enjoy that. You're speaking my language. Before I worked at the state parks, I worked for a humane <laughs> society, and yeah. we used to preach this all day long. Just having having your animals around you can really help reduce your stress, and um, yeah. it's great to hear from someone who's qualified to speak on it. <laughs> I agree, and then that kind of helps maybe with the argument with my wife to get a new another dog. We have two, but you know we just got a new house; it's bigger. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Bauer, I'm afraid you've enabled a lot of things today, whether it be more pets or some very sophisticated screens to have more beautiful nature scenes. I've really enjoyed what you've had to say today about this topic, Doctor Bauer, and I think you you seem like a really awesome guy and. You're probably a great doctor to your patients, but thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Well, and you're very insightful. That's all I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have obviously been thinking about this. You you know, it's just fun, right? I mean, this is, there's so much of medicine that's not fun, you know, getting yelled, oh, how much do you weigh? What's your blood pressure? What's your, (laughs) all your cholesterol? I mean, you know, those are important. I'm not downplaying those, but this is just fun. It's really hard to say, well, I don't like nature. I, there's nothing. No, it's, it's a fun part of medicine that I really enjoy because patients light up, right? If, if you say, you know, it really is good to go out in the park. I love the park. Why don't you go out more often? You know, so this is fun. So I'm glad you guys are taking up the banner and uh, I hope you get lots of listeners and they all go out and enjoy some of the beautiful parks around Phoenix. You guys have some wonderful places. Mm-hmm. Yes, we sure do. Thank you for that. I'm sure that many listeners will be inspired. I'm sure that some will ask their doctors about this. So this is really great. Thank you for sharing the topic. And thank you again for being our guest. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure. You guys take care. Have a great day. Bye. Bye now. Bye now.